Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Welcome to Hope Brooklyn. On our second Sunday of Advent, my roommate Jesse and I, we have this um, little tradition that we just started about a year ago. Um, Emily is a little bit, who is my roommate, and she's sitting back to my left. Um, she's been gone on during, um, she's been gone for work for the past 10 days, and during those 10 days, Jesse and I decided to watch Harry Potter, um, as, because it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> At least we think it is. Um, and we went through one through seven, um, and I feel like it was an appropriate, um, preparation for um, the season of Advent, um, because if you're not familiar with Harry Potter, I don't blame you, but if you are, you know that the movie progresses and gets kind of darker and darker as the movie goes, and then, you know, in the end, there's redemption. Um, So (laughs) I found myself, as I was sitting there, in the first um, of the first of the last, so the first movie, so the last movie is... um, split into two parts. And um, it starts off very bleak, very dark. Um, The Warner Brothers icon is kind of moving forward in this like ominous music. And you hear this man say, these are dark times, there is no denying. Our world has perhaps faced no greater threat than it does today. And uh, as I kind of sat in this posture of Isaiah, which will be our passage today, Isaiah 64. Um, So if you have your Bibles or you have your apps, um, I want to invite you to go there. It kind of became visceral. And it kind of, like, the hairs on the back of my head kind of stood up when um, he said that. Obviously, very different context. But this feeling of dread and of bleakness really did translate through the screen into my preparation for our time this afternoon. Um, And then I was reminded of something else as I was on the C train coming to church today. Uh, I was already three stops in coming from Bed-Stuy, and I hear this little boy, this little boy and his mom who looked very, um, a little bit frantic, They go onto the subway, and in the 30 seconds of the doors opening, um, you hear the announcer said, next stop, Hoyt Schremerhorn, and you hear this little boy scream, we're going the wrong way, and this mom is just like, ugh, and so everyone that's by the door, like, holds it open for her so they can, like, rush out, so they can go to the other platform and head in the right direction, and again, the Holy Spirit just reminded me in that quick 15 seconds, this is Advent, and this is what I'm inviting you to. It's this feeling of, surely we are not going the right way. We have to be going the wrong way, because I feel like the way that we are going is heading into darkness. Um, Welcome to Advent. This is what we're invited to. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we sit in the messy middle 
of the now and the not yet. Lord, I know this is kind of audacious, but I pray for joy. I pray for peace. I pray, Lord, for an overwhelming sense of your presence, even in the midst of silence. Breakthrough. Lord, we come to you this afternoon uh, with a lot of things, with a to-do list miles long, Lord, maybe even with vast um, holes that need to be filled, and maybe even frustration of you not speaking, Lord, into places that we need you to act in. Oh, Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit, come and show us how to posture ourselves in this messy middle. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So in Isaiah chapter 64, our prophet writes um, in a very poetic way a cry. And in verse 1, it says this. If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as fire kindles the brushwood and fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your enemies so that the nations will tremble at your presence. When you did awesome works that we did not expect, you came down and the mountain quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened, no eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. If only you would. Isaiah is a very Phenomenal book, I would say, of a man who is giving a poetic picture of the children of Israel post-exile, during exile, or pre-exile, I should say, exile, and post-exile. And right now, we are hearing a visceral cry from his children to respond. And what they are doing in this moment of desperation is they're remembering. They're remembering the acts of God and they're pining for him. Lord, if you would only come, if you would only tear the heavens open and come down. And they are remembering a God who in Exodus chapter 19 was on the mountaintop and came down to meet them at their most desperate time of need. They are praying and they're crying out to God, who in Exodus 34 made a covenant with his people. And he said in verse 10, I will perform wonders in the presence of all your people that have never been done in all earth or in any nation. All the people you live among will see the Lord's work, for I am doing with you, for what I am doing with you is awe-inspiring. This is their cry. And this 
is the spirit of Advent. Week two and week three, I feel like, are probably the most dense times where we live in this tension of, God, where are you at? God, for hundreds of years, you have been silent, and we need redemption. We need you to break through. We need you to come through. And all they can do is remember. I love this quote by W.H. Auden. It says, nothing can save us that is possible. The thing that I do not like about Advent and the thing that makes me very uncomfortable about this time of year is that I sit in the ambiguity of following Jesus. I sit in the ambiguity of prayers not answered. I sit in the ambiguity of my own frustration with the Lord of like, God, there are certain things in my life at this moment that need your attention. And I feel like you're busy doing other things and you cannot be bothered. And I'm looking at a world that is broken and fractured and I'm looking at genocide. I'm looking at people that are hungry. I am looking at people who are displaced. I am looking at my neighbor who needs a home and who needs food. Where are you? And we're invited yet to follow him. We're invited not only to follow him, but to invite him again and again into these restless spaces of ambiguity in our life. And for him, not only, not only the invitation for God to be there, but for him to be Lord of those spaces. And for us to take our hands off the wheel and say, God, I trust you. Who's excited? Who's, who's ready for Christmas? All the while, the world is busting at the seams, celebrating. There's lights. There's carols. There's Christmas trees. There's a laundry list of gifts to give. There's this dreaded feeling of, did I get enough? Enough. Enough. If only you would. Haunts me in the midst of the happiest time of the year. And not only that, church, this is our new year. Last week was the new year of our church calendar. This is how we, this is how we kick it off. We kick it off in darkness. We kick it off in waiting. We kick it off in disappointment. <laughs> but I love how Israel responds. They respond in their waiting by remembering, but they're not off the hook. What Mandy reminded us of just a, two songs ago was a voice crying in the wilderness, say, prepare a way, the way of the Lord. Now, in our waiting and in our darkness, we are called to prepare we are called to make room. A little bit of a juxtaposition, right? Because although we see in Scripture, we, we know how the story ends. 
yet our current reality would tell us we still have to sit in that space of unknowing. And also, how do we make room? How do we make room through our frustrations? How do we make room through the silence? How do we make room when our apartment is being torn up two weeks before Christmas? How do we respond when there's a diagnosis? How do we respond when there's a loss? How do we respond to a world in turmoil? How do we make room? The thing that really um, has been, that has pierced my heart through the study of um, these passages has been how God works because he's doing, he works so subversively. And the way that I find that is very miraculous is that the invitation is always to, is always trust. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? But on top of that is that I am confronted with how lame my imagination is for God to work and to enter in. Because see, although Israel was pining and they were saying, God, remember, they were expecting God to work as he did in Exodus. They were expecting God to work as he did in Joshua when they crossed the Jordan. But they made no room for a mother and her baby in Bethlehem. And what if, church, what if the response of God isn't a high note, but it's low? What, is, what if his response is so humble and so quiet that we miss it among the noise of the chaos that's happening all around us? How do we quiet all of that and submit and say, God, where are you? in the silence? Where are you in the brokenness? This is the invitation for imagination. This is the invitation for us to imagine that God might be working even when we feel like he is not. In the midst of the dense quietness, God is moving, God has a plan, and God is restoring, unbeknownst to us. Beth Moore said this quote, and she said this, are we so certain of what revival looks like in America based on our interpretation of the past that we can miss to right in our midst and under our noses? What if it turns out that revival doesn't always manifest through population or publicity? What if it is not always loud, doesn't draw a crowd, what if it is more hidden in the secret places where the individual here and the individual there have had their eyes open to their idols and responds with humble repentance? What if this is what is caught quietly and is spread? This is Advent. It's in the quiet places. It's with angels coming to shepherds instead of coming to the masses, 
It's with Jesus incubating in the womb of a woman for nine months and coming as an infant, vulnerable, born in a manger, with stinky animals, and living a life with two obscure people and quietly waiting for the moment when he would die. These are the pockets that we are invited to. These are the pockets that the Lord is waiting to break through. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 says this, Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I am about to do something new. The I am of Exodus, the I am of John. He is doing something new. And the latter part of that verse just says this, I will make a way. I will make a way. I want to take just a couple seconds and in your seat, where are places and spaces that you need God to make a way? What are prayers that you feel that have fallen silent? In what places of desert do you need rivers to flow? What needs to be revived? Church, my prayer is that our yearning turns into prayers of faith and that our yearnings have a thread of hope that point directly to Jesus. That in this time, as we sit and we ask, if only you would tear the heavens open and come down. Where is he coming to? What spaces are we creating for him to break through? Nothing can save us that is possible. As we cry out, as Isaiah so beautifully writes in chapter, 30, in chapter 64, as we remember, may our pining and may our cries give us imagination for Emmanuel, God with us. Paul echoes Isaiah's words in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, but as it is written, what eye did not see and ear did not hear and what never entered the human mind, God prepared for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. We have an advocate 
in the Holy Spirit that sits with us in this, in the now and the not yet. We are not alone. And although Jesus came, walked the earth, that was the second coming, and then the Spirit of God came. And Jesus said, I am going to leave, but I'm bringing the comforter, and he is going to come, and I need you to wait. So church, as we wait and as we posture our hearts in the season of waiting, in the season of darkness, may the Holy Spirit come in and give us a roadmap for hope. Now, what? I will make a way. I am about to do something new. A woman on the eve of her husband departing on a business trip prayed and said, Lord, would you keep him safe? And the next day, her husband took off on Pan Am Flight 103, and it ended in an explosion over Scotland. Her response to this was very interesting to me. And it was this, I do not dislike God. I am not mad at him. I am afraid of him. I think there is something of fear that likes to creep in, in the midst of the silence, in the midst of the darkness, that would say, maybe this is all just a big cosmic lie. Because we're left with these words, if only you would. Lord, if only you would heal my marriage. If only you would bring me a spouse. If only you would give me a job that I love. Lord, if only you would ease my crippling anxiety. Last, yesterday, I had the, a really fun opportunity to hang out with the Zepedas listening to my right, which is really weird because you guys usually sit over here to the left, and so it's kind of freaking me out right now, but that's okay. Um, and, we, and we ended up watching Home Alone, another great Christmas movie. Um, and kind of the climax of this movie, Kevin McAllister, if you've never seen it, this little boy who gets left behind from his family's Christmas trip is in this house, and he's, you know, there's these robbers that are trying to rob the house. And he yells, I'm not afraid anymore. And as he did that, Josh goes in, Josh, you know, starts talking about how powerful that phrase is. Like, right now, this little boy is like, I'm not scared, and he's ready to fight. And I feel like this is where Advent takes us. Into this place of like, I am not afraid anymore. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a spoiler to our Advent devotional for this week, and it ends with this. It ends again with the woman saying, I do not dislike God. 
I am not mad at him, but I am afraid of him. And I love what Fleming Rutledge says as a conclusion to this. She says, and the angel said unto them, fear not. Friends, my prayer for us as we walk through the remaining time of Advent is this, freedom. My prayer for us as we engage with these dark spaces and places and as we look into this time that we are waiting and this tension of the now and the not yet, that the Lord would be the Prince of Peace, that he would come in into these places that we are yearning for him to tear open heaven and to act, that he would say, fear not, I'm coming. That he would, through his Holy Spirit, give us the tools necessary to navigate the not yet with grace, mercy, empowered by his spirit to continue to follow and to trust. As we conclude this morning, or this afternoon, sorry, um, I want to invite our worship team and our uh, communion ushers to come forward. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to read this, our verse one more time. And as I read it, can you name that something you were waiting for? And can you allow that to be a prayer? If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As fire kindles and brushwood, as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your enemies so that nations will tremble at your presence. When you did awesome works that we did not expect, you came down. From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened, no eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. Church, my prayer is that this time of waiting would be holy and that in the midst of the silence and in the midst of the waiting, that you would see God. And that the juxtaposition that we sit in during this time of year propels us to the cross. As a kid is yelling, we're going the wrong way. May we trust that, yeah, we are going the wrong way, but Jesus, he entered this world and lived for 33 years 
and walked the roads that we walk with the same yearnings and the same and experienced life as we experience them all to die. And although their expectation of how they wanted God to come and enter in from the mountaintop looked vastly different than the reality of the story of Jesus. He did a work that would subvert every power of darkness. He died. He became a sacrifice. And he bore our sin so that we could be free so that light could break through, and so that every broken piece could be made whole. This is Advent. And although we may be feeling like we are being propelled in the wrong direction, Jesus makes it right. And this time of year reminds us that it's only through him and by him that we can be whole and we can be redeemed. And so as we close, may we come to the table, may we break bread in faith that the God who broke, whose body was broken and whose blood was shed has made a way through the desert, has parted the sea for your healing and for your wholeness. And if you're still on a journey of faith and, are, and have not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, may you take this time to sit and maybe pray for the first time, maybe call out to God and have a conversation with him. But church, if you do follow Jesus, I want to invite you to come and take the bread and the wine and then we will um, partake together.